uh, to come up and speak. And at the same time, thank God for our parents for responding in love and responding based upon uh, the, the thing young people brought to the table. So this morning, I just felt during the service last Sunday, I did not want to say anything because I realized if I said anything, either way, it could shut down the conversation. So I allowed it to go on so that we can both hear from both parties. And what I want to do from this morning, maybe over the next couple of Sundays or maybe even longer, is begin to teach. And hopefully through the teaching, you will find out the medium, the balance in the conversation that took place last Sunday. Let me just highlight some of the things I heard as we move into the message. Of course, the young people spoke to us first. And a recurring statement they made that I heard was the fact that we should allow them to make their own mistakes. That we should allow them to make their own mistakes. And then they talked about the pressure that they feel from their parents to perform. Let, let, me, let me just begin to talk about it a little bit, and I'm going to talk about the parents in a minute, and then I'm going to go to the real meat of the message. I recall that many of us, parents, especially for those of us that went to school in the United States, my age, and maybe a few years younger than me, we all walked our way through college. In fact, back in those days, I, 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 it was after last Sunday, I said, I was talking to Toyosi, I, I, I said, I did not even know that there was a school loan. I, I don't know if they started it since then. I, I, we had a full-time job. <laughs> I went to full-time college. And we didn't turn out so badly. Hello, somebody. Now, of course, of course, we don't want our children to go through what we went through. If that was the case, Jesus would have died in vain. That's not the point. That's not the point. That's not the point. So I do not expect my children to work 8, 10 hours a day and then go to college full time. But what I do expect is that they will at least appreciate the opportunity that they now have and the privilege that's available to them and to be appreciative of what God has made available. Is that, is that, is that a good game? Yes. Because in, in, in looking at what's happening these days, if care is not taken, it is easy for our younger people to have a sense of entitlement. And so we need to disabuse that. We need to disabuse that. We worked hard to go to college and have the opportunity to be a blessing to them. So now they don't have to work as hard as we do because Jesus made it clear that you reap where you have not sown. That's, that's I mean, that's However, they should excel in other areas way beyond where we are because of the privilege that they have in and through God. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. And on the issue of making mistakes, for sure, every one of us will make mistakes and they will make enough of them. But as a parent, we don't want to wake up everyone and say, my son, you are going to make mistakes today. Absolutely not. That is, that is fatalistic thinking. No, we don't want, we, we know they will make mistakes and when they, when they make the mistakes, we, they should be encouraged and loved in it and fail forward. By that I mean you learn through your mistakes. But I don't want them to, 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 to accept and embrace the fact that they will make mistakes. It will happen, but you should not wish it and, and be looking for it. Are you hearing me? Yes. Now, let me read one scripture, then I'm going to talk to the parents. 
In First Kings, chapter 12. 1 Kings, chapter 12. I'm addressing the children, the youth first, because they spoke first. First Kings, chapter 12. Verse 4. This is after the death of Solomon. His son Rehoboam became king after him. And we pick it up now in verse 4 of 1 Kings chapter 12. The elders came to speak to Rehoboam in verse 4. They said, your father made a yoke heavy. Now therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which you put on us and we will serve you. So he said to them, depart for three days. Then come back to me. And the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father, Solomon, while he still lived. And he said, how do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him saying, if you be a servant to these people today, and serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer these people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should depart in, no, thus you should speak to these people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam, and the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Come back to me the third day. Then the king answered the people roughly and rejected the advice which the elders had given him. The point I'm making here is this. To our young people, you need to be very careful not to take your cue, your directions, and your advice and your counsel from your peers. They mean well, they have good intentions, but they have no experience. In this story here, the Hobum had the opportunity to seek counsel as to what to do moving forward. The elders advised him, they gave him good advice and said, listen, if you do this, these people will serve you forever. He turned to the young people who had grown up with him, his peers, what do you guys say? And they said, leash it on them. I mean, just bless them out. And he rejected the counsel and the advice of the elders. And it cost him the kingdom. That will never happen to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Because you will receive the instruction and the counsel that comes from God. And in so doing, God will establish you. Amen. Now, having said that, there was two parts to that conversation. They spoke to us. And we responded to them. For us parents, let me, let me, let me say it like this. I remember when I grew up in Nigeria. Back in those days. And you'll know by what I'm about to say that it's been a long time ago. <laughs> Back in a time, in my growing up in high school days, I never saw a woman wear a pair of jeans or trousers. If a woman wore jeans or trousers back in my time, it is a simple label. Halot. They are, they are talking. Back in those days, families never went out to eat. In fact, we had no eateries. The only place you could go to do that would be in a hotel. 
And if you are found in the hotel eating, <laughs> you miss heaven. Forget about heaven. <laughs> Not only will they call you a name, but they call your wife and everybody else the name. I, am I talking? Back in my time, it was very uncommon and unusual to find a man show affection to his wife in public. Uh, ministerial ethics will not allow me to say what they will call such a man. <laughs> For a man to kiss his wife in public or to hold her or even open the door back in that time. Ah, what kind of a man is this? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? In fact, we did a wedding in, uh, not too long ago in some part of the country and I became a minister in the United States. I never went to a wedding in Nigeria. So the worst, first when I did there, I asked the husband to kiss the wife. The man was looking at me. <laughs> I thought, surely he didn't hear what I said. So I said it again. Husband, kiss your wife. He, he, looked, he gave me a face and looked for <laughs> Oh my goodness. And I hear somebody whisper to me, not in the church, not in the church. I said, True story. Now, why am I saying these things to us? I'm saying it to us because as parents, we must accept the fact that times are changing. And for us not to accept that and park where we were will be to our own peril. The children consistently said to us, there is no communication. We don't hear them. We don't listen to them. You need to, you need to understand that communication is two ways. You speak and the other person listens. So what I'm saying to us is, I thank God for traditions, I thank God for customs, and there's a place for those things. The Bible said clearly that Jesus went into the synagogue as was his custom. However, it is important for me and you to accept and understand that the kingdom of God transcends all cultures. The kingdom of God as provided us in the scripture trumps and transcends and is the only authentic culture that is acceptable. Now, there are good things in other customs and, and traditions. Please remember that. But you must bring those things to the cross. And where it does not come on the other side of the cross, you need to discard it. So what I'm saying to us is, we must be ready, prepared to hear what our children are saying to us. The times are changing. We cannot continue to place expectations on them based on the expectations that are placed on us. And clearly, I must say to us, as a parent, you do not have the right to dictate, determine what your parent or your children will study. When did you become God? So you are an engineer, your children must be an engineer. Are you, are you serious about that? No. You're a doctor, you're going to make your child that has a affinity, passion, and anointing for creativity to go and become a doctor and he's sweating bullets trying to recalculus. <laughs> we need to be careful. And that's why for the next couple of time I have here, I want to bring a teaching called Divine Wisdom for Success. Amen. Because the truth of the matter is, for all of us, there is no manual that is laser focused on each family we must download from the heart and the mind of God per second, per second, his wisdom for daily guidance and living. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The parents mean well. We want our children to succeed. Noble, good, wonderful idea. And the children on their own part want to succeed as well. So what we need to find is the medium, the balance 
How will God bring these two streams of thought together so that we can accomplish the same goal and the same purpose? Amen? Amen. God is final authority. In the book of Judges chapter 13, Manoah prayed to God, said, God, tell me, show me the manner of life, the rule of life for my son Samson. Manoah just didn't wake up and say, you know, you're going to be a judge in Israel or you're going to be a doctor, an engineer. No. We need to see God's heart. Remember this. Psalms 127 verse 3. Children are the heritage of the Lord is God and the fruit of the womb is his reward, not yours. God just loaned your body to bring them. They don't belong to you. You are stewards under God to nurturing, training, teaching, and growing and grooming those children. You are a partner together with God to groom them. Parents still love me this morning? Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. When Jesus was born in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible clearly said to Mary and to Joseph, his name is Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. That was his job description. John the Baptist when he was born, clearly God said he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the mothers and he would prepare the way of the Lord. That was his assignment. So we must be asking on the behalf of our children, God, what do you have for them? What, for what reason have you brought them forth? Now, sometimes God will give us clear answer, give us impression, doctor, engineer, sometimes that's, it, it comes like that. Other times, God says, open your eyes and just watch. You're watching a child. You're seeing unique giftings, talents, things coming out of them. And it is your role as a parent to nurture that which you see, not what you are thinking. You do not make these children in your own image. They were born, created in God's image and likeness. And God does not want you to compete with that which is already done. And when you cooperate with God, you have peace, you have joy, you have fulfillment, and the child likewise will do the same thing. Amen. And we're going to be happy campers all the way. Amen. 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 Now, I must say to you as, as, as humans in the flesh, we all, we hear all these nice jobs, $150,000 a year, $200,000 a year, and you are dreaming, say, man, I want my child to have a job like that. And so you're, you're thinking, concocting, planning, plotting, uh, witchcrafting, whatever, whichever, whichever, whichever way possible. They say, man, God, that's, that's what I want for my child. And the child has no interest in it whatsoever. Be careful. And, and listen, I'm a parent. I am a parent. I've been through what I'm saying to you. Be careful not to try to live your life through your child. Just truly here, I'm an aviation enthusiast. I smell airplane kerosene in my, in my sleep. So for my son, I said, ah, you go, you're going to be a pilot. You go, you, you. I went on my bank, my first son. I planted him in civil air patrol. Ah. I enrolled him there. He went for the camp on the weekend. He flew an aircraft. Said, Praise God. Hallelujah. He's on his way. For where? What happened? He did it for two, three months. Gone. Man, that one didn't work. So Tony, I said, Tony, you're going to be in it. Go in the Navy. Never pal. We planned it. She went and took the exam. They said, no. No interest. No interest. Faith, I'm taking him through the airport. I'm saying, see the aircraft? Look at the tail. This, one, hey, this boy is 787. He's looking at me. None of them. Absolutely none of them. You know, so the point I'm making is you have to allow God to be God in their lives. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4. Oh, man. Okay, let me go there first. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. Verse 7. Actually, before I read, I read this passage, you need to know the book of Proverbs is a workbook on wisdom. 
It's God's book to me and you on daily guidance. What the Psalms is to worship, Proverbs is to wisdom. You do yourself right. There are 31 Proverbs, chapters of Proverbs. You, can, you do yourself right to read one a day. Over and over and over and over and over. So you can be in the same page with God. Amen? Okay, so chapter 4, verse 7. And really, we could have started from chapter 1. But time will not allow us to do that. Look at what it says. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Everything we talked about last Sunday, everything that concerns us as parents and our young people, if we will take this advice, it will solve a lot of problems. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Now, you need to understand the wisdom he's talking about here is not human wisdom. It's not the wisdom that comes from my friends, my, from my peers. It's not the wisdom that I get from internet or this week. No, 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 no. That's not the wisdom we're talking about. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So right there, the Bible tells you the ungodly have counsel. But if you want to be blessed, if you want to be established, if you want to be happy, if you want to be fortunate, you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There are many of them. Experts on finance, experts on relationships, experts on this and that, and they are going straight to hell. And if you don't, if you're not careful, they want to take you with them. But God forbid that you and I will walk according to the counsel of the ungodly. So, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Why? Why must I get wisdom? Why should I get understanding? Look at the next verses. Exalt her. And she will what? Promote you. Is that not what you are looking for? We are looking for promotion. We are looking for honor. We are looking for glory. We are looking for riches. God said, don't pursue riches. It will lead you down the wrong path. Don't pursue honor. It will disappoint you. Don't pursue exaltation. It will ruin you. But pursue wisdom and understanding. When you do that, verse 8 says, it will exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her and she will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Wow! Wow! The God kind of wisdom will deliver to us everything you are looking for. Please give me Job chapter 12. Verses 12 through 28 in the Shinot translation. Job chapter 12. Verses 12 through 28. Ah, thank you very much. Verses 12. Thank you. Do you think the elderly have a corner of wisdom for us parents? God is speaking to you. You think you have a corner of wisdom? Do you, do you really think you have a corner of wisdom? Absolutely not. Because your wisdom says a woman in 1970 should not wear jeans. And God says, I've completely, totally overruled that. Amen? Do you think the elderly have a common wisdom that you have to grow old before you understand life? I like this translation. Next verse. <laughs> True wisdom and real power belong to God. From him we learn how to live and also what to live for. Abba! Somebody should give Shana some money. <laughs> Verse 14. If he tears something down, it's down for good. If he locks people up, they are locked up for good. Go ahead. If he holds back the rain, there's a drought. If he lets it loose, there's a flood. Go on. Strength and success belong to God. Both deceived and the deceiver must answer to him. Go on. He strips experts of their vaunted credentials. Have you ever seen those guys? Those pundits. They come on TV. They say, God, Dick Morris. Every prediction he made. 
in the last two Saturdays of election, all of them are wrong. <laughs> and they still bring me man to come and give a, a prediction. I said, what, what kind of useless human beings are this? He strips them of their credentials. Exposes judges as witless fools. Did somebody give Shana some money already? He divests kings of their royal garments, then ties a rag around their waist. Oh my God. He strips priests of their robes and fires high officials from their jobs. He forces trusted sages to keep silence. Deprives elders of their good sense and wisdom. Go ahead. He dumps contempt on famous people. Disarms the strong and mighty. Go ahead. He shines a spotlight, a spotlight into caves of darkness. Hurls deepest darkness into the noonday sun. Go ahead. He makes nations rise and then fall. Builds up some and abandons others. Go ahead. He robs world leaders of their reason. And sends them into no man's land. Go and ask Gaddafi. Ask Saddam Hussein. They grope in the dark without a clue. Go ahead. Yes. I have seen all this with my own eyes. Heard and understood it with my own very eyes. Ears rather. Let me just, let me just stop there. I don't want to read it anymore. But the point here is. From the very beginning of time. God had wanted man. To depend on the wisdom that comes from God. Now, time will not permit me to, to go into all of the details of this. But if you read in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man was all about this. Why did God tell Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He planted them there. He put the trees there. And we know everything God was made, made was good. Because God wanted them to partake of life, the tree of life, from which all wisdom flows. And then any knowledge you have, you can now know how to put it together and use it. Let me help us here this morning. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts or information. Knowledge. What Adam and Eve went for. The tree of the, good of, of the knowledge of good and evil. What they were merely getting was an accumulation of facts and information. Wisdom, on the other hand, is the correct application of knowledge. Now, I've heard some definitions that say wisdom is application of knowledge. No, 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 not just application. Human wisdom is application of knowledge. God's kind of knowledge is the correct application of knowledge. Huge difference. Huge difference. Huge. And you'll see in a moment. Because Jesus Christ is the personification of, of wisdom. There is no other wisdom greater than Jehovah Jesus. He came to the earth. To show us the mind of God. The right ways of God. And to help me and you to understand how to live as God intended. Ah. Where shall I start? Where shall I start? Where shall I start? Okay. I'm going to come back to the rest of this later on. Let's, let's just focus on Jesus. Let's focus on him. He lived his life non, not based on a manual. He had no manuals. But he lived his life totally, completely based on the now wisdom that he was getting from heaven. And that same source is available to you and I now. I'll tell you how to get it in a minute. But first of all, let me show you his life. Let's go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. So you can appreciate that the issue of knowing good and evil is not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. That's the mistake Adam and Eve made. Oh, Hallelujah. 
John chapter 8, verse 2. No, verse 3, verse 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in his very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? These they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. Now, you need to understand that living and life for me and you today is a series of tests. You go to work tomorrow, you are tested. You go to school tomorrow, you are tested. You are among your friends, you are tested. Life is a continuum of testings. And I cannot always go and get it. Say, hold on one minute. Go on, let me get my manual. What? No. We have to receive and have the manifestation of God's wisdom just like that to be able to live through this life. So these guys brought this woman caught in adultery. Remember, Jesus was living under the law. We are told in Galatians chapter 4 that Jesus was born under the law. So clearly in this era, he was under the law. So they brought a woman. We caught her in the very act. Moses, the esteemed prophet Moses, commanded us in the law that when we find a woman like this, death. What do you say? And the Bible made it clear, they were testing him. Why were they testing him? Because he came and said, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He came preaching love and mercy and kindness. And yet the law says, you commit adultery, you die. Master, what will you do? Jesus looked at them. He knew exactly what they were doing. How did he manage that situation? Wisdom. Wisdom. Because if he said, stone her to death, they say, you see, you hypocrite. You just put yours yesterday about love and mercy. Now you want us to kill a human being. Oh, you, you don't leave your message. And if he said, don't stone her, they said, we know. You're a rebel. You never obey the laws of the elders. The law of Moses, you will not honor it. You are a rebel. We know we should not listen to you. Either way, he was caught between the rock and the hard place. He has to choose between good and evil. Did he make that choice? No. The wisdom of God, which you and I must employ on a daily basis, he began to stoop on the ground and write. And all the accusers, one by one, this one, look at this one, sir. Yes. On the, on, on the 10th of uh, October, red, red in roof. We saw you. Uh -huh. we, we saw you. That woman that was wearing a yellow uh, letter. We saw you on her. One by one, they read the thing. Ah, this man. We didn't know he's a prophet. And, and they checked out. So he did not have to execute the law of Moses. Because according to the law, the accusers must stone. So he said to them, any one of you that's without sin, cast the first stone. You said we must kill her. I agree. But whoever of you do not have a sin at all, maybe yours is not adultery, it's lying, it's fornication, it's being drunk, whatever it is, whoever is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. One by one, they look at us and Doc, I'll see you later. <laughs> Bro, I'll see you after lunch. They all checked out. They all checked out. They were convicting their hearts. And then he looked at the woman. Where are those who brought you here and accused you? Who are those that's condemning you? The woman said, ah, what happened? I know they were not raptured, <laughs> but they're no longer here. And then they said, neither do I condemn you. In fulfillment of John 3, for God so loved 
the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Watch this, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So he said, I did not come to condemn. I came to save. Therefore, I do not condemn you. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. What is bothering you today? What is the burden you're carrying this morning or this afternoon? What is the guilt trip that's upon you for which you think there's no remedy, there's no answer, that God has forgotten or cannot forgive you? That's not the God I serve. He does not condemn. But he took the wisdom of God in him in that moment to know what to do. His entire ministry could have been discredited if he made the wrong move. If it took wisdom for Jesus to live and to know what to do in every given situation, what is it going to take for you and I? How are we going to know what to do with our children? How will our children know how to respond to us? It's going to take the wisdom of God. Wisdom is the principal thing. We're encouraged to get wisdom. You know, our getting to get understanding. Let me give one more example. One more example. Again with Jesus. Again with Jesus. In... Um, Luke chapter 20. Luke 20. Luke 20. In verse 20. Luke 20, 20. So when they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor, they asked him saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly. And you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Now, here's the punchline, verse 22. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Hmm. But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. You see, they asked him one question. He answered it and added another one on top of it for them. You want to know if you should pay taxes? Whose picture is on the coin? Caesar's? Good. Because just as the image of Caesar is on the coin, you also, that's asking the question, were made and created in God's image. Honor Caesar because his image is on the coin, but honor God in whose image you yourself were created. Wisdom is speaking. They came to nail him, he nailed them. That is the kind of wisdom that is available for us today. Your son can play football or basketball, violin, keyboard, and you only have 24 hours in a day, and you are running helter skelter, program after program after program. How would you know which one is beneficial? How do you know? How do you know what to invest your God given time? Because time is one of the most perishable assets. You can't get back tomorrow at 12 noon, it's gone forever. How do you know what to do? How do you know which programs of all the programs that are available do you want to get involved in? You need wisdom. You need wisdom. You need to know, is he playing because he's gaming after professional sports or is it for leisure? Is my son or my daughter just on a leisure level of playing? Or are we investing time and resources because he may be playing NBA, NFL? It's not the same thing. If it's leisure, I am not going to spend $500 every semester, every quarter, in buying a new uniform. It's called F-O-O-L-I-S-H-N-E-S-S. Foolishness. No. Now, if he's going to go work, 
and pay for it out of his own time. But God will give you the understanding to know, is this for fun or is it going to be a serious thing for which I'm preparing him for the future? Ask God. Don't just, they bring something home from school. Okay, they're going to buy a violin, $900, da 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 You go get a debt, MasterCard, Visa, American Express. You're stressed to God knows what, and you're wondering what happened. You're not using wisdom. You're not using wisdom. Faith came to us, he wants to play soccer. In his final year of high school. I said, Faith, okay? You never watch a complete 90 minutes soccer game. I have never. I, I, I'm watching the game. I said, Come, let's watch. You sit down. We watch about three minutes. Next thing I know, it's gone. It's disappeared. You never watch a complete 90 minute game. But you want to commit me and your mother to run all over Atlanta, soccer game, and pay for. Two. I said, Please, no! Absolutely not. If you don't take enough interest to see others who are better than you play, you want me to go and put my hard-earned Holy Ghost sweating money? I said, absolutely not. He was upset with us. He must have thought we were Satan personified. I still remember the conversation of this day. I said, no. Why? It is not wisdom. It is not wisdom. Plus, he has, he's not going to be the next Maradona. <laughs> he will play, he will enjoy himself, but I'm sorry, this is not another Messi in the making. <laughs> if, if he was Messi in the making, then I can, I can say, okay, his tithe will come to the house of God. <laughs> no. So we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Listen. There's a reason for which God made you parents. Don't abscond your place as a parent. However, the balance of that is don't provoke your children unto wrath. You don't. You have to navigate with wisdom and explain. You need to always tell them why. In this generation, you can't get away with that. Don't just say, no, you're not going to do it. Ah, because I said so. Uh, the way you are sounding, you sound like a snake to me. <laughs> no. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. You need with wisdom to help them understand why your position is like this. You need to help them know that. Amen? Now, in wrapping up here, let's look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So now you understand how to, how to, how to know the difference between uh, these programs. And, and that's huge. Because in the United States, there's, in, there's a program every day. Maybe two or three of them. And God help you to have two teenagers in the house. It's a full-time job. Hockey here. Tennis over there. Football here. Soccer there. Violin. Choir, orchestra, abba. Which one, which one will you do? So you have to get God's wisdom. Where are we investing? Which one is the man of God? You can't do it all. You just wear yourself thin. You frustrate your child and yourself. And you are broke at the same time. You are broke. Get God's wisdom. And I'm going to show you that to you in a minute. To, to help you see how important it is. Look chapter 2. Look at verse 40. This is very instructive. And the child, Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So where was he filled with, with, with wisdom? As a child. As a child. He grew. He grew. He was filled with wisdom. That happened to him when he became baptized at Jordan River. When the Spirit of God came to him, he was filled. Not just with the Spirit of God, but with the many manifestations of that Spirit. 
And you and I today, upon being born again, you have that same spirit. You have that same spirit. Now, I want to show you something now, which is very important. I want to show you something now. So we see him filled with the spirit of wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now, was that all that happened to Jesus? No. Look at verse 52. The same chapter. Verse 52. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So in verse 40, we are told he was filled with wisdom. But in verse 52, we are told he what? Increased. Oh. How did he increase? And why did he increase? Why are we not increasing? He increased in wisdom because he used what he had. Oh my God. Someone shall give me a $2 bill right there. You didn't hear what I said. Jesus increased in wisdom. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I multiply it in Jesus' name. He increased because he used what he had. The Bible makes it clear that for him who has, many more will be given to him. And those who had and did not use it, the little they have will be taken away from them. So why are we not working in wisdom every day, in every situation, in every life situation? Because we are not using what we already have. We're not using things happen to us with what, what your father did. You went and you repeat the same thing your father did. Can you imagine that? Thank God for our fathers. They walked in the light they had. That's right. But unto us, much more light has been given. Yes. Why will I go and do what my father did based upon the little light he had? Would you go back now and read with the candles? That's what my father read with. So I should now go back and read with candles. Because I want to be like Papa. No. And when there's fluorescent lights everywhere. Is it not madness? So Jesus consistently drew upon what he had. And because God is who he is, when you use what he's given you, he multiplies it. So if you want to have wisdom manifested in your life and you see it increase, begin to use what you already have. Don't just Go back to what you used to do. It didn't work anyway. Why are you doing it? This is huge. This is a big, 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 big point for all of us. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Remember I told you, Jesus is wisdom personified. Look at Matthew 13. Wow. I need to move quickly. Matthew 13. Verse 54. But when, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and this mighty works? It's interesting. They put the wisdom before the works. Very instructive. Because if you don't have wisdom... You will know when to do the works. It takes the wisdom of God to know what to call out, what to do in every given situation so you don't destroy people. But the point I'm trying to make is when you and I are walking in God's wisdom, others around you will recognize it. And they will say to you, Oh, my sister, my God, man, I was lost in that situation. Where did you get that from? If nobody said that to you this week coming, you lack wisdom. Absolutely. Because all around us are people that have problems and they are looking for solutions. They are looking to hear the word from God. And we, God has planted us in this earth and left us here in this hour so that we can be the answer. Oh, you want to ask Joseph about that? Pharaoh had a dream. Didn't know what it was. 
The entire Egyptian nation was held in sway because they don't know what this man dreamt and he was threatening, if I don't get an interpreter, all of you will die. Enter Joseph, the man of God. Notice, not only did he know seven years of famine, or rather seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. That's knowledge. That's knowledge. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. That's knowledge. That's what you get at Wall Street. All your financial pundits, that's what they give you. Knowledge. Wisdom took it a little further. Not only do I recognize seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, now I'll tell you what to do to fix it. Oh, hallelujah. Wisdom is another direction. It's a correct application of knowledge. That's what Joseph had. And remember what we read in Proverbs chapter 4? Verses 7 and 8. You exalt her. It will do what? Promote you. Honor you. Bring glory to you. Is that what he said? Yes. Did it happen in Joseph's life? Yes. Immediately. That king said, my God. All I have around me are pundits. All they can give me is knowledge. They went to Harvard, Princeton, Yale. Unsuka. <laughs> They want the uniform. You are. You are the other spaces. All they have is what? Knowledge. And they are punditing their knowledge every day, 24-7. And they can't save the world. They can't. Joseph had the knowledge, but on top of that, wisdom. King, this is what you do. The king said, what? In this kingdom? I find a man in whose heart is the wisdom of God. Instant promotion. Out of prison. Put on garments on him. Give him authority with the ring. Hallelujah. Your promotion is one wisdom away. In the name of Jesus. As we saw it in the Bible, it will happen to you. You honor God. You walk in his wisdom. Wisdom will promote you. In the name of Jesus, in 2016, wisdom will promote you. Wisdom will fill your hearts with treasures. In the name of Jesus. How do I know that? Am I just making noise? No, I'm not. I know that because Jesus made a promise. He said, I will, in Luke 21, 15, he said, I will fill your mouth with wisdom that no one will be able to resist or gainsay. Oh my God. Hallelujah. He will put wisdom, notice where you put it, not in your head, in your mouth. Because if he's going to manifest and be a blessing to you and to others around you, it must be spoken. Hallelujah. You've got to speak something. Oh, glory to God. How do I know that's going to happen to you? Five more minutes, I'm done. First Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. And I will continue later when we have much more time. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Everything I've said to you this morning or this afternoon, I'm not asking you to go and do some things. We need to make that very clear. I'm not giving you three steps in what to do to get wisdom. No. All I'm asking you is to be. It's an identity issue. If you just know what's already packaged and placed in you, you won't have any problem. If you just take a pause when you have to make a call, make a decision, when you have to talk to your children, to your parents, or your employer, or your business partner, if you just take a pause and say, Jesus, what are you saying? That's all! He's already there screaming. Screaming, bang, I have the answer. Don't try to figure it out before the moment. That's our problem. That's why Donald Trump is leading the polls. Oh, I need, I, need to find a way, I need to find a way to interject that. He does not have a script. 
The pundits have not written a script for him. He gets up there like a fool. He said, I don't know what to say, but I know Muslims cannot come to America. <laughs> as crazy as it is, he just fed the new circle for the next seven days. Jeb Bush is announcing his policy. And we will do this. We will do that. Nobody can hear him because the Trump has sucked the air out of the room. Now, his is human wisdom. That's not what we're talking about here. We need to make that distinction. But look at what the Bible says in verse 30. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus. You are not trying to be of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us the very first thing mentioned is not your righteousness it's not your sanctification it's not your redemption the very first thing Paul mentioned just so you understand how to live but of him you have been made in Christ Jesus what wisdom You're not trying to be wisdom. You are wisdom. That's who you are. Our problem is we have an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we've been called to be. We don't know what's been packaged in us. I'm telling you, take a salam moment. Take a pause. Take a hold and say, Jesus, what are you saying? No, what did you say? No, no, no. Past tense is not. He's a living Jesus. He's alive now. He's not talking last week. He's talking now. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the proceeding, advancing words of God. By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What is he saying in this hour? In 1960-65, I was in Nigeria. Women did not wear trousers. Jesus, is that what you're saying now? No! When I was growing up, women, men, women did not go to the restaurants to eat. Is that what you're saying now? No! That's in the past. I know it's in the past because in the past, the same God said when they committed adultery, stone them. But now he says, have mercy. He's moved away from that. You are still packed where he left. That's the problem with denominations. My God. They put God in a box. God spoke, they heard it, and they boxed him. And God said, I'm coming out of your box. Hallelujah. This Christmas season, God wants to come out of your boxes. He wants to come out of your package. He wants to be God in your house. He wants to be wisdom in your mouth. He wants to manifest himself as never before. Give Jesus a high five, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My God, my God, my God. So he says to me and you now, if any man lack wisdom, ask. That's all it says. It's in you. You need it. Ask. And you shall receive. Seek. And you shall find. Knock. It shall be opened. Just ask. Just ask. Again, don't go back. Don't be like Peter. Don't go back and fishing because that's what you're used to. Ask him. Father, as we honor the coming of your son Jesus, We thank you for the identity change. We are in him. And you have made him to become unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And so we bless your name that we have in us right now a reservoir of your wisdom. Thank you for ever reminding us that we lack nothing but we have everything and so jesus we honor you we bless you we thank you that the words of god we continue to dwell in our hearts richly with our wisdom thank you for your wisdom we embrace it we exalt it it brings promotion to us it brings glory and honor to us and our houses are filled with the treasures that your wisdom brings to us. Thank you, Father God. 
that you are mending whatever rift it is between parents and children. My Lord and my God, we are on the same team as you. And so, Lord, we thank you for bringing us together, knitting our hearts together, helping us to honor you as we receive and honor that which you place in our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We bless you. Thank you, Papa. We honor you now. In Jesus' name.